Kaiju FM. Come find your niche. Welcome to By the Mash Turn, a podcast by a couple of nerds where we brew some beer, drink some beer, and have a nice little chat about some beer. I'm Mike Harrison Wood. I'm Cal Noble. Hi, Cal Noble. Hi, Mike. How are you feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Yay. It's Craft Theory Day. It's craft Theory. It is Craft Theory Day. Um, so, this episode is going to be a special episode, a special, special. Craft Theory episode. Um, we have got uh, two of our agents in the field. <laughs> One uh, of them's you. No, 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 no! Don't spoil the illusion. Okay. We've got, we've got uh, Carl Noble and Chris McLennan. Yeah, uh, down at Craft Theory right now. Yeah. Um, what's what's going to be the general makeup of this episode? So then? we're doing rapid fire five minute interviews with uh, as many of the brewers as we can grab hold of and get to sit down and chat about their beer. Um, they're basically picking one beer that they're going to chat about and give a little bit of insight into what's interesting, what makes it cool. Oh, it sounds great. I'm really jealous. Yeah, I, like, I, mean, I wish we, I like, could be there. Yeah, I know, right? We, we have to sit up here, like waiting for all of the good, good, good news to come in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's probably a good idea if we give people a brief rundown of actually what craft theory is, if they've never heard of yeah, it. Yeah, good point. Uh, so craft theory is a uh, local craft beer festival in Reading, where they get along a load of brewers. I think. Um, there is 14 breweries nice. there today. That's so, um, yeah, it's nice, small, local little festival, um, but breweries from all over the place. Like we've got a lot of UK-based breweries, and I do believe there is uh, two breweries from further afield. Oh, nice. So, Which you know, we chat, well, the people in the field will be chatting with. Exactly. We're going to try and grab as many people as, uh, as as we can, hopefully, and get interviews with all of them. So I think this is probably going to be a two-part special. So rather than our usual um, like kind of week gap between episodes, I think we're probably just going to do one episode and then hopefully the episode the next week after. Hopefully. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think without further ado, we'll uh, we'll pass over to our to our okay. uh, our agents down yes. there. Yes. So, Cal, Chris, how is it down there? Okay, so um, here we are with our first interviewee. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm Tom from uh, Little Earth Project um, in Suffolk, uh, yep. and we brew uh, mixed fermentation sour beers. Uh, so, like, really heavy into like different strains of yeast um yeah we have our own uh house mixed culture that comes from a, a natural cider that we make okay oh that's so interesting nice. that's I mean, I've, I've had a lot of your beer kind of in bottles and stuff and it's always been very impressive like just absolutely blow away amazing it's really good um yeah it's fairly kind of unique um particularly in this country there's not that many people doing the kind of styles of beer that we're, we're brewing um and not only we use a mixed culture um, of yeast, we kind of try and forage some of the ingredients. We grow some of our own ingredients as well. So it's, uh, we try to be a bit different. Do you exclusively make sour beers or do you make other sort of wild, wild fermentation styles like your sort of farmhouse and Saison sort of vibes? Yeah, so um, some of them are more sour than others, but um, because of the nature of the mixed culture that we've got, yeah. there's normally a sour element. Um, 
some can be very sour. Um, the beers that we've brought um, this weekend are kind of a bit more subtle, so, some of them. Yeah. Um, a bit more approachable. So was that, was that a conscious choice because you like, not knowing, obviously, the crowd that's going to come, you wanted something? Like, if somebody goes to the shop and they're looking for sour beer and they find your beer, you know they're wanting sour beer. Whereas here, did, did you do it so it was just a bit more of an, uh, an approachable thing? Yeah. Um, I think kind of to the traditional beer drinker, um, our beers are, are very different to most yep. of the beers on the market. So even our more approachable beers can be kind of quite shocking to, to <laughs> okay. well we've always found sour beers that are actually really good when people go oh, I don't really like beer it's like hang on a second <laughs> let me get you something and like, have you found like you, you attract the the beer crowd or have you, do you find you attract a sort of a, a, your own sort of uh, crowd like um, yeah we, we do attract a beer crowd um, even just this morning since the, the, the festival's been open we've spoken to people that kind of are, are really into their beer but like to drink a, lots of different types of beer including sour beers yeah. um, but we also have a lot of uh, cider and uh, wine drinkers who yeah. kind of get our beer because it's kind of a mix of, mixture and a balance of uh, sweetness and acidity rather than bitterness and, yeah it's uh, a different it's that sort of area of the palate I suppose yeah, yeah. cool uh, so you brought some beer along um, for us to have a little have a little try at what is it and what makes this one particularly interesting okay so this beer is called uh, organic wild mint mojito um, okay and it was actually a beer that we put into a, a stainless tank it was kind of a a very plain beer kind of to make it was just a uh, um, pale malt uh, and we primarily fermented it with a uh, um, USO5 yeast so we made this kind of super clean um, beer with just a few English hops for bitterness yeah so really not a lot going on but then we put it into a stainless tank with our mixed culture and to begin with that fermentation was very strange and kind of knocked up some fairly unpleasant flavors <laughs> yeah um, but we just left it and left it and left it and after about 18 months um, actually uh, um, I gave some um, to Danny, who's my girlfriend, also works for, at the brewery. And, yeah. um, it, it kind of developed this really kind of citrusy, clean sourness. And I was like, what can we do with this? Um, and we, couldn't, we couldn't decide. But then a few weeks later, we'd, uh, we were on the field where we grow our own barley. Oh, okay. And uh, we could smell this minty smell. And the, underneath the barley, was just loads and loads of uh, um, wild mint. Right? Oh wow, nice! Um, and this mint is uh, is corn mint, so it's a bit like it's not really pepper minty. It's kind of almost a lemon balmy. Uh, All right. Uh, flavour. Um, and Danny came up with this idea of doing a mojito beer. So we added some uh, some of this wild mint and some uh, lime juice to yeah. that beer, and uh, and it tasted great. So we. Uh, we did it again, and this is the this is the second batch. So we're what? trying to get those kind of uh, same flavours is not that easy. Um, because yeah, when something's a happy accident, yeah. replicating the happy accident exactly. is actually yeah. So it's like because I don't know why it tasted like that, but it was good. It's <laughs> yeah. like, so that that ended up in bottles. Um, you know, is it available in the shops? Can people find it now? Or um, we actually um, keg all of this beer. We right, of, uh, okay. 
what we because what we tend to do is we we normally only bottle beers that have been aged in oak because right. we kind of they're kind of uh, uh, tend to be stronger kind of special kind of keeping beers yes whereas the beers that we want to be drunk um, straight away and a good kind of good to go yeah um, we like to put into kegs um, partly because um, we think that that's kind of a good way to enjoy them but partly because we kind of like kind of pub and bar culture and drinking yes so yeah, we try yeah. And brew some beers that kind of are, are suited to that Oh, well, awesome. we're, we're well up for the cocktail type ones. We did Margarita Goza. Yes, yeah. Recently. We did, and, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, excited to try it. Yeah. Do you mind if we have a try? Thank you. We need some sort of, like, test card sort of hold music while we just have a sip. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, that is amazing. Is it because it's... It's just Ooh, so yeah. clean and crisp. Like, that's brilliant. We'll have some more. Like, you know, that over ice. Like, you know, just in a nice fishbowl glass. Like, yep. like, <laughs> perfect summertime drink. Because, I mean, you know, today it's like it's hitting 22 degrees. It's hot. Like, that is absolutely perfect. That's brilliant. Is, yeah. there, is there lime or is that all the natural there sourness? Is a, there's and a little bit of lime juice in it, but it's uh, in terms of the actual percentage it was six six litres of lime juice in a 400 litre batch so not, not a huge amount <laughs> a fairly small amount but you, you still get a little it's for that aromatic aspect yeah. more than anything because it, it, it really kind of a limey lemony character anyway and that's kind of where the idea came yeah, from yeah because I've had a fair few like that you know you can tell that the uh, like that acidity comes from literally just someone putting a lot of yeah. lemon or lime juice mm. into it and there you get that really nice lime aroma, but you don't get, you, you get that proper sour beer sourness yeah. rather than it tastes like someone's put some cordial in it. Yes, so it's yeah. like, yeah, that's phenomenally nice. That's, I'm going to come and have some more of that. Yeah, I'm probably going to come around and have some of that. That's very good. Uh, okay, so, I mean, you know, at some point we'll probably try and grab you, not during the festival, but, you know contact you maybe try and get a big full length interview with you at some point would be quite nice you know try and find a bit more about the history of the brewery and whatnot yeah that Um, sounds good but until that point uh thank you very much for joining us very much cheers right so here we are with our second interview for the second time um take two would (laughs) would you like to introduce yourself uh yeah i'm steve the founder of eight arch brewing co in wimborne dorset Oh, okay. Uh, so how long have you guys been around? Uh, what's your position? Uh, we started uh, at the start of 2015. Um, I was the founder. Um, well, I'm the founder. Um, we, I was doing all the brewing, everything on my own. Um, and now there's one other guy with me, Mark. Um, and, yeah, and we're just going from strength to strength. Yeah. Do, do you find yourself you're just in the office a lot more than you're brewing now? Always. Always <laughs> in the office. The downside of the brewing industry or any business is the office side of things which has got to be done but you know I'd love to be back out in the brewery if I could be absolutely yeah. but I, I, you just I suppose you probably miss all the little jobs yeah yeah absolutely like I said in the first take of this <laughs> uh, was that the other week when Mark had a holiday um, I needed to wash 80 casks and I was over the moon to be able to wash 80 casks and you wouldn't hear other brewers yeah, singing it's not, about having to wash 80 There's cars. not a lot of people jumping in. So I just need you to hose this floor for six hours. It's like, yeah, I will. Yeah, I will I, do that. It, it, was, it was the pinnacle of my week. I didn't <laughs> get as many washes as I wanted to due to phone calls and everything else because it was just me on my own. But 
yeah uh, just getting back on the floor it's just, it's just great going back in and doing things like this yeah so how, how big is the brewery we're six barrel yeah um, so we've got uh, five one well six barrel fermenters we brew to a thousand liters and we've got one uh, basically double sized fermenter we brew to 1800 liters in that wow one. so did you start out that big I started with three fermenters um, and then it just gradually the, the whole intention of what I was doing was to brew for the local market you know, okay. as long as I could earn a wage and make beer that people enjoyed I was happy with that yeah and then it just gathers pace and you know I was literally doing everything I was doing the brewing the racking the delivering the selling the invoicing <laughs> the cleaning etc etc and I was slowly slowly killing myself so that's why I managed to get Mark on board with me and then we just you know steadily increased um, volume uh, we moved at the start of last year into the unit next door um, added a couple more fermenters and then in September added the technically double fermenter um, and yeah it just keeps going from strength have you found that having done that continuing to grow is something you're interested in doing or would you still from this, rather from what, from grow more from where we are now like oh, yeah or would you rather maintain that you know I, we, I make a living I make beer people yeah, like and, and I, ultimately I do, you're happy I, with it I say to people that where we are now as a brewery and where I am being the owner of the brewery I'm very happy with the position we're in is that you know all of the beer that we make sells people enjoy it um, but you know if you were to expand again and get more fermenters then it means more increase in staff more investment you know we're, we're, we're at a good point where we are at the moment so if I was to, I never say never because I, I said when we moved into the new unit at the start of last year that I wouldn't increase anymore and then we went and got a double fermenter so <laughs> yeah. I never say never but where we are at the moment I'm, 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 we're in a happy position yeah it's good yeah. Uh, so you brought some beer for us to try yes. uh, what is the beer and um, what is it like why are you so particularly proud of this one um, I've brought along Corbel our yep. IPA 5.5 uh, probably a lot of people say it's on the lower end of the IPA scale but it's always been at that mark um, it's, it's got it's one of the first beers I ever brewed um, and it's just, you know, it's a really, really easy drinking um, West Coast style IPA. Um, it, you know, one of the things when I make beers, I want to make the beers that feature the hops and flavours that I enjoy. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not going to make a beer that is, it's got flavours or hops in it that I don't like just because it's popular. Or, yes, know, yeah. I yeah. want to make a beer that I like to drink. Yeah. That, features the hops I like so this one is heavily towards mosaic okay which is a hop that I absolutely adore um, randomly some a lot of people don't like mosaic I found out um, but I, I just think mosaic is a uh, it's dank, it's juicy, <laughs> I really, it's everything that you want in a great hop. I really like mosaic, but I often find in single hop form, it's okay. not enough to carry itself. Like, I've had a few single hop mosaics I really like, but most of the time I find it, I know, oddly empty on its own, and it doesn't take a much of something else to sort of support it. Yeah, like, I, is, like what, what are the supporting players in, in the corbel? It, I, I think... You know, there's, there are there are other hops in Corbel. Um, there's a um, uh, there's a bit of Cascade. There's a, a bit of Chinook. Um, can't remember what else there is. I think that's about it. You know, it's it's based. I, I wanted Mosaic to be at the forefront of it because I love it as a hop. Absolutely. And the others, the other hops in there, the the Chinook, the Cascade, they they just play like a, a supporting back roll. Yeah. Uh, you know, just lifts the beer a little bit more. But the one thing I love about this style you know west coast is 
it's where it all started in the craft beer industry in yeah. America, you know, the West Coast IPA. I know you're getting the New England styles now, which are great in their own market, um, but there's something about a really, really good West Coast style IPA. Well, the New England stuff's definitely like hijacked the Juicy label. But it's yeah. like, you, know, you can still have juicy West Coast styles. Yeah, yeah well, what I like in a mosaic is it's it's got that big fruity flavour, but yeah. the bitterness is still there. Yeah. Like, it's not... Yeah. It's it's not like having a can of lilt. No, it's yes, it's yeah. still got that, that big hot bitterness on the I'm, end. I, I love New England style beers. Don't get me wrong, I'd happily drink them all day. But there comes a point where they, I find they all start tasting the same. Yeah. And it's yeah. the same. Oh, it's a hazy. Again, I'll say again, they're great beers. I love them. But they all sometimes do start becoming a bit samey. So, you know, Too much I, of a good thing, right? Well, you know, they're, they're, there's, there's so many of them out there now. And there's, that's why it's great when I love to be able to have like a really nice standard West Coast IPA that's got the bitterness there, but it's also got the fruity citrusy hops coming through yeah it, it is nice just to drink uh, I mean you know there's so much interesting stuff going on in the, the craft beer at the moment I like just mad stuff you're like I don't even know what the hell this ingredient is and, and, and it's in there somewhere but then it's nice when you just get a real straight down the line like IPA and you're just like yeah I, I can pick out the hops I can pick out the grain and it's just it's clean it's refreshing and it's not ridiculous percentage so you can just take yeah, it easy a, and drink it all day saying that, like this is a 5.5% this is session beer but you know yeah. some of the beers all the deepers that you're getting now the imperial stouts the triple IPAs it's sort of more on the sessionable side of but things. also yes, within, within, within the within the uh, style it's in like that is a session beer because like most of the IPAs stateside are 7% like yeah. absolutely I mean five and a half suddenly session beer in that, in I, that realm I going slightly changing the subject slightly you know I think there's there's a great there's nothing better than having a well kept pint of a cask bitter you know yeah. there's a well brewed well kept in good condition cask bitter yeah there's, there's, you get that marble stuff down yeah oh, yeah beautiful. exactly yeah. Like, absolutely yeah. fantastic stuff yeah and it's the, you know the, there will be people who are into the New England Pales and the West Coast IPAs that if they see a a, a cask bitter they wouldn't ever touch it but it's like do you know what give it a try uh, but that's it it's like, completely different there's always a beer for the time absolutely like it doesn't matter like, what mood you're in you can probably find a beer that will fit that mood and sometimes you don't want something overly complex you just no. want something you go this is lovely down it goes but we, ha we have this discussion with people a lot about lager yeah and people go oh, I'm sorry to order a lager it's like Lager's fine. It's just bad lager's not fine. Yeah, yeah. I guess a good with, one. It's the same with ale. It's like, in every style, there's good stuff and bad stuff. If, if you're going to drink a lager, drink a good one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, like, like this, uh, this beer is, like, it's nice, it's light, it's refreshing. Like, I'm, I'm sat here sweating. You know, it is a hot day. You should come in where we're stood. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to. Yeah, I, I'm all right. I'll, I'll leave it's that out to But, they, like, this, it's... It's just so like clean and crisp, yeah. and you're getting those those nice hoppy flavours coming through. And, and that's uh, the whole idea of it. Is like yeah. saying yeah. that you know the, the, the juice bombs out there, they do their thing. The West Coast style do their thing, and yeah. you know you've got the bitterness there to back it up. You know you've got the dankness coming through, the, the slight pininess coming through. And yeah, it just works, and that's you know it's the one reason, one of the reasons why I'm so proud of it. You know, it's one of the, obviously one of the first beers that I formulated and brewed. Um, but it's it just keeps winning awards. Well, yeah. it was it was one of those. It was, it was the first beer I had from you guys, 
and we've had it in the pub a number of times and it always flies so it's yeah, uh, you it, know it's just uh, you know good beer good beer is good beer well you know I, I didn't enter into brewing to win awards but you know no. if they get so it's a pleasant byproduct isn't it you're going to take them it's always nice to be recognised yeah. like, especially if you haven't went recognise me yeah. like, if you haven't been the one doing it it's always good and it's, there's one thing that I mean we're a member of SIBA which I don't know if you guys know yeah. SIBA yeah. or what people don't know Society for Independent Brewers so we're a member of it um, and we, we're in the southwest region. So we've entered Corbel in the cask category for the last four years. Um, first year it won, and then the last three years it's come second. Um, so the one thing I'm really happy about that is the consistency. So it shows yes. one, people, or the, or the judges are enjoying our beers, but also the consistency for it to be there consistently in, you know, first and second for yes, four years. Yeah. Well, it uh, also removes that worry that it's because of a certain trend. It's just like, well, you know, that was the trend. It's not the trend, and yet still, here we are. Yeah, but like, then, you know, we're we're coming up against in the southwest region. The majority are traditional, if you want to put them into a bracket, brewers. Yeah. And then for our beers to be coming through and winning awards against those type of beers, you know, it's it's great for us. And you know, as also last year we entered it for the first time in small pack into the southwest competition, and it won its category. And then it won last month at Seba Berex, it won the national gold. And then last month again, it won the regional gold again. So there's a lot of consistency with Cornwall. Yeah, um, it's my little baby. It, 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 I, I can see why. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we've only got one last thing that we want to do. Yep. Uh, I'm going to get you to smell this hop, oh dear. and you have to tell me what it is. Hop. Don't look at the bottom. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't read the bottom. <laughs> don't worry if you get it wrong, it's fine. I want to say mosaic, but I don't think it is. It's not. No. Citra. Citra. It, it was going to be one of the two. It was going to be one of the two. It's going to be it's mosaic. Pun- yeah, there's, there's only a few that pungent. Yeah. Oh, hey, it's, it's real full on, isn't it? Especially yeah. in that jar. Is that, is that that's just uh, T90 that's not the cryo yes. no T90. no it's T90 one, one thing that uh, we, we've recently started using the cryo yes yeah. uh, have you guys had- we've, we, we've experimented with uh, various different ones uh, we've experimented with cryo we've experimented with there's, there's, there's some real interesting ones coming out as well I just the, the cryo pellets just take it to a different level I, think. I mean when you when you open the bag compared to I mean you get a great aroma from the T90 pellet yeah. but when you open the bag of the crow it's just oh my word this is like on a different level now yeah when you live in a small flat though it's sort of the great aroma you don't want souping through the rest of the building <laughs> <laughs> just just replace the potpourri in the corner that's a brilliant idea hop potpourri I, I'm going to be trademarking that <laughs> my idea no one else's uh, well thank you very much for uh, coming and having a chat with us no problem um, and I'll I'll catch up with you at some we'll point throughout the festival. That'd be Absolutely. brilliant. Thank you. Have a good Cheers. weekend. Right, so here we are with our uh, third interviewee. If you'd like to introduce yourself. Hello, yeah, my name's Andy Parker, and I'm the owner of Elusive Brewing. Cool. Uh, how long have you guys been open for? Then? We're nearly three. We actually turned three uh, in May. Our first brew was, I think, the 26th of April, oh, which wow. is next week, three-year birthday. So, um, And the first cask went to the Greyfriar in Reading. Yeah. We had an event there last night, which is really cool. Oh, that's Lovely. excellent. It's nice, nice when things kind of just like get full circle. Yeah, like definitely. That. It's yeah, good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, how did you, you got started as a home brewer, didn't you? Exactly. Yeah, I was home brewer for quite a long time. So I did my first home brew 
in uh, like 1999 it was a shit boots kit um, <laughs> and it was terrible uh, but I, I revisited it in like about 2012 and yeah. homebrew for four or five years oh, and awesome. then we got, got too elusive yeah and because you, you've uh, you recently um, got a unit next door to the one you're in yeah we're nearly there is, like, that, is that a real maybe, thing now <laughs> like by the time this goes out maybe like, I'll actually be in there wow we've got, so we've got been talking key. about this unit for oh, mate, quite yeah. a long time it's oh, taken okay. forever uh and God bless Woken and Borough Council. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we've got the keys actually, and we've got the lease paperwork in hand. So we should be. It's a genuine, just, tangible should thing. Should be now. in there like next week. And then uh, we've got tanks arriving soon after, so ready to go. Ah, awesome. So it, like, you've got that for extra fermentation space? Definitely, yeah. So we're going to add uh, about double our current capacity in, oh, wow. in, uh, in terms of fermentation uh, barrels. Um, got a 12 barrel FE on the way and some get some bright tanks so what does that bring small, you to open small back up oh it brings us to ooh so we've got 6 plus 5 plus 5 16 <laughs> get another 12 and then two sixes like readers at home can do the maths so you know actually you know yeah it's, 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 <laughs> it's suddenly up. suddenly so we currently we package at the moment about 30 barrels a month so uh, yeah What's that? Uh, I mean, that's eight hundred liters, three thousand liters. We're going to be doubling that. So. That's pretty nuts in the space you're in, though. It's yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's actually pretty stupid in the space you're in. <laughs> and considering and, uh, you're delivering a lot of it yourself as well. Yeah, I love deliveries. I you love them. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I like getting out and seeing the customers. So, you know, but, if you're not delivering, then you know you have to actually be out doing sales. I'm not very good at that. So yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and he uh, likes to take everything like onto himself. <laughs> like, I uh, don't know if you, if you listened to the, the podcast before, uh, we'll, you'll know that we assign a lot of people a Parker number, yep. which is how many degrees removed they are from Andy Parker. <laughs> and it's ne- I don't think it's ever been more than three. Yeah, yeah. That always makes me chuckle, that little section. Yeah, it's, it's like, funny. Like, like everybody knows you. Like everybody <laughs> we speak to is like, oh, do you know Andy from Elusive? Yeah, yeah, we're like, he was up here like a couple of weeks back doing a brew and it's just like, yeah. he gets everywhere. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so... What beer? What the beer? What have I? I've had too many. What beer have you brought with it? With so I brought. I can only bring one today, and that's Herding okay. Cats, which is the official festival beer. It was a collaboration with, um, like most of the breweries in Berkshire, <laughs> uh, at least about half of them. So yeah. we had, um, yeah, Wild Weather, Siren, Double Barreled, and West Berkshire. Cool. Uh, it's called Herding Cats. I mean, that should be a pretty obvious name. Yeah, absolutely. It, it wasn't the uh, easiest day to organise. Um, no, I bet. Did you manage to get them all into your brewery? They all turned up. Wow. Yeah, I had all five. That's 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 uh, impressive. Including ourselves, of course, in, in the brewery, yeah. Yeah. So w- what is it that you are particularly proud of with this beer? Other than the fact that, obviously, you just managed to organise getting all those brewers there on time. Yeah, that, that was a proud moment when... <laughs> When we agreed a recipe and people turned up and we brewed it. Yeah. Uh, probably, I'm really proud of the beer. I think it's one of the best pails we've done, actually. So we've been evolving kind of a series of 4.3% hazy pails. Yeah. Uh, I know the Nags and Reddins had all of those on. Um, and uh, this was kind of a, we, we took what we learned from uh, developing that range. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit stronger, uh, mostly because we added a fruit puree. Okay. So it's a hazy pail with peaches. Um and uh, in terms of the hops, we kind of use Vic Secret and Citra, really pushing that peachy thing. Uh, and the, the yeast, uh, we use like a, a co-pitch of uh, yeast, um, and that, they do deliver peach as well. So it's um, oh, wow. all about the peach. Do you mind if I have a try? Ah, oh, go on. 
So I tried it on cask. We had it at the pub. Be interested to try it here. Because normally, oh, wow. I'm not that keen on peach beer. So let's see how it goes. Yeah, so the peach is more about the, the hop combination and the yeast. The peach puree was um, perhaps a little bit decadent, but it's... Uh, Obviously, fruit puree mostly ferments out. We added about yes. 40 litres into 800 of wort. Yeah. So it's about 5% peach puree. Um, and it's brought... I think it's just kind of rounded things out nicely. Like it really pushes that peach up a little bit. Um, and uh, and, it, and I think the beer comes together really nicely in the glass. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. It's working for me a lot better on the, on the keg than the yeah. cask. Do you find you design beers should be one way or the other good question you make beer and hope for the hope it's going to pan out on uh, both? we do right. design beers with packaging formats in mind um, our core range uh, it's designed to be packaged in both and um, yeah. work in both um, the hazy series um, and, and herding cats was mostly keg yeah uh, we package in cask because we've got some great customers that like our casks and uh, we'll take a hazy stuff in cask um, but it was mostly in keg yeah. and I would agree that I think um that kind of juicy vibe is better with a bit of carbonation and a bit colder. I think yes. it's a mouthfeel thing yeah. more than anything else. Uh, and, and yeah, it's like, uh, so I enjoyed it on the cask, but like, it's much better there. Yeah, the, I think, I think that, and, and it's really it warm feels, today and it's nice and cold. Yeah, yeah that might be it. <laughs> like, it definitely helps. And the, like the, peach, the peachy notes come through, but like you say, the, because you use the pure, it mostly ferments out. So you end up with the flavor, but not yeah. the... Not the sweet, sweetness exactly, that you would yeah. end up with a puree. You don't get the sweetness. Like you could probably do that if you um, were able to pasteurize or otherwise stop the fermentation. Yes. Um, I, could, I don't think it would benefit from no. it. I like the fact it is, it's still crisp, it's still refreshing, yeah. but it's got those, you know, that juicy, fruity. Yeah, and it's got for. quite a full body. So we use um, oats and wheat, I guess it's that classic New England yeah. uh, yes. approach. But, um, and we use um, Windsor as a primary strain. Okay. which uh, doesn't ferment Malto Trio, so it's, it typically finishes high. And we co-pitch it with an American Ale strain to bring that down slightly. But the final gravity is around about 12. Um, so it's got, it's still got body. Um, yeah. But, it, you know, it, the, 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 I guess the fruit puree dries it out because it does get fermented out. So, yeah, it's, um, I, I would say that it's, uh, it's got body, but it's, for me, it's a quite a dry beer. Actually. Yeah. I've just realised that just before we started this interview, Andy said, uh, are you good to pour the beer? And we were like, no, we've shared a cup before, it's fine. And we've stolen And I've just turned glass. this around and it's got a stick on it that says Andy. <laughs> yeah, but we And I didn't, really it, I didn't really take Andy uh, into Oh, no, no, it's cool. I thought we'd, we would just, sh- I would just share the glass out with you. <laughs> no, we'll just share the glass. It's right, all good. Like, like, it's ours now. There we go. That's, 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 <laughs> that's how that's going to work. Damn you. <laughs> Sorry, you've got loads of it. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I'm guessing that one's probably selling quite well with it being the festival beer. Yeah, so. definitely. Like, we're actually worried we might run out of it. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, worse, worse things, things have happened. happened. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's We've the, been doing this too the long. The podcast is over, everyone. Forget <laughs> it. That's the best ever by the mash done moment. Uh, that's... I, I'm not sure what, to, uh, what what Andy Parker number this one gets. I think it's just a straight zero. It's got to be negative at yeah, this point. It has to be a negative number. Uh, so um, one thing we need to do, um, I'm going to I'm gonna let you smell these hops, okay. and you have to tell me what they are. Okay. How, how, test the brewer. How, how, how good does uh, Andy know his hops? It's all right if you get it wrong. It's fine. Don't read the bottom. Can I be a bit of a rub? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Rubbing a sniff. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, Don't like, show like, the bottom. <laughs> 
And we've got uh, Reiki from the Malt Miller looking on uh, as well. Like, he's like, we've got an on. audience. It's a live we're, we're, show, yeah, ladies and exactly. gentlemen. Everybody's watching you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's taking oh, it real serious. He is, isn't he? Actually, they've kind of dried out a little bit. Like, uh, Oh, now he's judging your hops, Cal. Actually, yeah, they, just kind of, they, they came out the freezers. Yeah, in all fairness, they come out the freezer. <laughs> Uh, how, how, yeah, I, I would. That's that's quite citrusy. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah, but it's not quite citrus. It's not. It, 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 it's, it's not. Do it's you want not. to take a punt on like you've got to not citra? <laughs> <laughs> you've narrowed it down. <laughs> I go with uh, amarillo. Yeah. yeah I, oh I, my god! Look. How did you do that? He's my, such a my, good brewer. My peripheral vision is very good. <laughs> <laughs> so, like for me, Amarillo is quite orangey, uh, yeah. and it's got that it's got that vibe for sure. Yeah, thanks, uh, Ricky. Just, yeah, <laughs> it's quite all right. <laughs> well, uh, thank you very much for coming and chatting to us. Um, thank you. We'll come and find you later and have a, have a have a drink and you know chat off mic. Please do look forward to it. Thank you very much. Yeah, Cheers, guys. Thank you. Right, so uh, here we are um, with our next interviewee. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, uh, my name is uh, Terry Staples. I work for a Brew by Numbers in Bermondsey, South East London. And I'm a, a bit of a... I wear many hats at Brew by Numbers. <laughs> the man of many hats. Yes, the current hat for the listeners is a flat-peaked... Uh, Black know, and white cap. Dickies cap. Black it and is. white Dickies situation. Yeah. Did you get that free with a pair of boots or work pants? Um, probably both. <laughs> <laughs> I have two of these caps. Probably both, probably both. Um, yeah, so I, I do, I do brew. Um, yep. I'm currently doing a lot more of our pilot brewing, um, so experimenting a little bit more where we we can't at the moment because of our capacity at the brew house is bursting. Right. Um, people love their session IPAs, their pale ales, and it's that time of year. Yeah, it I, doesn't I do give see us them about a lot. <laughs> well, it doesn't give us a lot of space to do anything else. So, um, so I've started to do a few more of the crazy. Milkshakey and basically anything I can come come up with yes, in my yeah, mind, yeah. Um, and then it's events and sales and stuff like that. So um, awesome. I just I just move between the the fermenters. Yeah, so, I mean, how long have you guys been up and running? Six years. Six It'll be years. seven this coming December. Yeah, um, and I've been around there for four years, four of the six. Wow. Um, yeah, mainly in the in the tap room. Yeah, but the whole point of getting in the tap room was to get in the brew house. And you know, so you've got to do the just, board work. This is it, and just ask brewers stupid questions. <laughs> like, what's that big shiny thing? Well, well, yeah, no, Mike, the person I should be, but he's not here this weekend, has just you know gone to West Barks, and you know, you've got to do the board work before you can do the fun stuff. So. That's yeah. it. You started working in the packaging department, and it's like you know, with, with the intention to get up to you know more brewing side of things. And it's like, if you're not starting your own brewery, you do have to start with the grunt work. Exactly. That's what you got to do. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. No, do your so. penance. Yes. Clean that mash tun. <laughs> yeah. Clear it out by hand. Preferably. Yeah. Right. As, in, as in your actual hands. Yeah, real yeah. hot. Just get straight just in there. Yeah. After it's drained, get That's right it. in, start digging. Show me out. you want this. <laughs> oh. So you guys, oh, you drain your one. There's, there's a game show. There's a game show in this. I'm sure there is. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure there is. That's when we play branch into TV. Yeah, Britain's next brewer. It's like, right, let's just take them round, get them, get them into breweries. We'll just be an agency for cheap brewery work. That's all we'll do. <laughs> That's and just it. get them in there and film it. Well, that's how the other show works. We'll make, we'll make like that good it. cash dollar. I like it. <laughs> cool. Um, so what, what beers have you um, brought with us to try? I brought you a, a variety. So the one beer that I've brought that's kind of 
on our tap list at the festival this weekend is our sourberry red. Okay. Uh, just because it's it's a, a kind of a it goes kind of against the the hoppier beers that we've been doing. Yes. Um, and it's it's basically the start of well as part of the start of our barrel aging um, that we're we're doing more of now. Yeah. Um, we've got a a new tap room in just down the road in Peckham from our other main brewery, and um, we're going to be putting more and more barrels in there, and we're going to be doing more of this stuff because um, we can't we can't make sours as often as we'd like to. No, because um, they do like, take a lot of time. Don't this they? is it, and we could be brewing four or five beers in that time. Yeah, so. exactly. So this we we, we did it. Um, we don't we didn't actually kettle sour this. The the sour um, flavour and tartness that you're getting from this beer is just all in the berries. Oh really? Oh, right. Yeah. So it's literally just that fruit sharpness. Yeah. I, mean, I guess the sugar goes and. Yeah. And we so this we did one which was um, which wasn't barrel aged. This is the barrel aged version. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a barrel aged blend. So we, we took some from the tank, some for the um, from the barrels. Yeah. And we blended it to just get it right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all it's all berries. What, what sort of barrels are you aging it in? We, they're Spanish, yeah. um, and we've got a mixture of, I know we've got predominantly red, yeah. but we've got some white wine barrels, and before we probably still got them, I think people are using them as tables at the moment, um, <laughs> in our other place, but we've had bourbon, gin, yeah. you know, whiskey, and, and, and various other barrels, but at the moment, we tend to be playing around with Spanish um, red and white wine. Oh, I mean, like, it's amazing. Uh, it, like the, the smell oh, of it, the taste of it, it's so, it's yeah, it's really good. Like the, the sourness, to hear that that's just coming from the berries, that's yeah. insane. Yeah, um, and it was 24, 24 months barrel aged. Wow. Um, so for twenty four months, yeah. Um, so we, it's a it's a beer that we're proud of. It's probably a beer that we haven't because we moved over to Canning. Yeah, this didn't get canned, so um, oh, right. it was in a, it was in before it was in seventy five mil bottles to share. Yeah. Um, but then what we've done so then we've only got kegs left now um, but it's, it's, so we wouldn't we couldn't really put it out to wholesale too, too much no so people haven't really heard about it too much and they haven't really seen you know we haven't really we didn't really make as, that we much of fuss about it more. I think we will well it's interesting <laughs> to me because at the start of this you were talking about like all these hop forward beers and and for me all the brew by numbers beers I've like had well, I've tried a lot of before. Mm. They're always your sours in the in the, in the big old seven hundred yeah. bottles with the, you know, it's called like like a nice sharing bottle of sour. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and they've all been phenomenally nice. Oh, thank you and very much. It, so it's a, it's it's nice to see a, a a bit of a bit of a stride back in that direction. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think when we've got because we did a we did a, a farmhouse backers blonde as well. Yeah. Um, so we're trying to play around with different styles I mean we were for a lot of people we were a Saison brewery for a long time yeah um, you know our, our 01 Saison our first recipe yeah um, so for a lot of people we went we were Saisons then we kind of moved to, to the session IPAs and the hot beers so yeah it's nice to kind of do beers especially for people that are not necessarily into, into hops you know yeah. we get a lot of converters coming in drinking that beer you know I don't like beer well try that yeah, well, I mean, that's exactly what we said to uh, the guys from Little Earth Project, who obviously are sour focused and like mm. uh, that. We found often that people go, oh, "I don't really like beer. I'm not a beer person." It's like I've got the thing for you. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> try this nice sour beer. You'll love it. Yeah. Especially cider drinkers. Yes, cider yeah. drinkers love sour beers and yeah, red wine it. drinkers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, it's, yeah. It's a really good stepping stone. And like, like, like we both work in a pub in town, um, and we do enjoy I mean me personally I get enjoyment out of somebody who just wants to drink a pint of Amstel yep if I can get them on a 
just like breaking them into going oh try this do you like it yes I like that brilliant you, you've got an in that's it and yeah sometimes like sour beers are the way to do that Definitely. sours and steam beers yes the gateway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ste- like steam beers especially like uh, the, there's a steam beer that we used to have on tap and I used to use that as the, the gateway for any lager drinker yep I'd be like okay you like lager try this now try this ah now I've got you an ale and you got ah. it yeah <laughs> yeah no our, our yeah, saisons are good, good for that we did a saison with juniper uh, cucumber and juniper yeah and straight away that was definitely for that kind of that mainstream beer drinking market it was just something that again wasn't too hoppy yes had some flavour to it but, but but wasn't it basically wasn't a beer to them you know yeah. and, um, and they loved it so yeah it, it's, it's good to it's good to be able to get people drinking different types of beers yeah. it's also yeah. nice to have like an area to go into which is not super hop forward but isn't just going yeah I agree oh, yeah uh, malt wise like it's it's getting rowdy in here going the other the other way yeah like it's you know it's, it, it, it's actually a new area to sort of push into because people are a lot more accepting of like yeah definitely you know there's, there's a yeah. few of these other flavours in there just yeah. don't knock it just try it yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean you brought along some cans um, these are I'm guessing the well it looks like a number 5 a number 23 a number 11 yeah so what we've got is I mean you can have them at your leisure when you're brewing next um, so the session IPA is probably our biggest seller um, right. sessionable beer yeah. you know low ABV ish um, and it's 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 actually probably the, the beer that we probably add as many as much hops to because of the dry hopping process yes um, people don't realise that you know it's low ABV but that dry hopping um, really really helps you know, you bring the flavour out. Yeah, yeah and, definitely. But people don't really, they think it's it's a beer that we probably use less hops in. It's a cheaper beer to make. Yeah. And it's, it's not. No, it's got no, to be no, it's it's well up no. there in our, you know. Um, and then, yeah, just wanting to... Our Keller Pills, which we're not a brewery that's done lagers. Yeah. You know, we've always tried to, especially in the brew house and in the tap room, get people off of lagers. Yeah, yeah. But we thought it was time to see if we could... We well, you've got to dip your toe in it every so often and exactly. see what it's about. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we, we've done that to a, to a success. Um, so that's been really good. And then, yeah, just a, a West Coast IPA that we, you know, when this was a, a collab that we did. Um, okay. But we do, we, you know, our IPAs are, you know, quite quite popular now. They, um, they are very popular. Like, like yeah. any brewery that's not doing an IPA is probably going to well, suffer a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so there was just, uh, just what, you know, bringing guys some, some beers. Yeah, well, I mean, it's you know. like that considering the sourness doesn't come from no. anything at all that's fantastic yeah we're, we're really proud of it that's just our I know you were saying earlier about the, the, the brewing process stuff so that's our um, single single hot citra payload yep. um, so that's, that's it basically I think we use a, a slightly different hop to, to bitter we have a, a very small amount of bittering hops mm. going into the whirlpool and then and then citra citra all oh. the way um, that's Again, just a simple, a simple yeah, beer. It's, it's straight down the line. It's absolutely perfect. I, um, every every year I go to a, a music festival and I make beer to take along for that. Yep. Um, and I have this device you put on your back and it's got a hand pump on it. That's amazing. So I always try to design a recipe that I know can be drank, um, basically porch tepid. Yep. I know the beer is going to be shaken about in the bag yeah. and I know it's going to be left like, in the porch of a tent yeah, it's left in the porch of a tent so it's always going to be warm and I always find that those um, very simple clean crisp beers mm. work just so well You don't. it doesn't have to be chilled and carbonated and like absolutely perfect 
to get it right. I think the more stuff you put in it, the more yeah. complex it gets, the if, harder it is. If you've avoided going to the level where it's going to coat the mouth and it's going to get cloying, yeah. then you've probably avoided the, the temperature issue uh, yep. mitigated it to the best of your ability at that point. What but you like, need is a, a bright tank right. that goes on your back. Imagine that. You can just force carb on the go. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> I mean, be I mean, encourage the boy. I, I, like, like, what, once we finish with the interview, I'll show you a video of what I take with me to the <laughs> festival. It's, it's brilliant. brilliant, it's, brilliant. It's, it's just so much fun. <laughs> we wanted it with us today, but we're not allowed to sell beer to yeah. people. So here we are. Um, so one thing we have been doing to, uh, to test the brewer um, is... I'm going to pick one of these. I've got grains and I've got hops. You're going to smell it or taste it. It's up to you. And take a punt as to what you think it is. I'm going to fail uh, miserably. What are you better at? Hops or grain? Um, hops ever so slightly. Ever okay, so slightly. Is. No. No, we'll give you hops. Hops. Have a try Feel that one. Don't, don't, don't read the bomb. Pull it out. Smush it up a bit. You know, get the oils going. Don't worry if you get it wrong. You, you, you wouldn't be the first just like or the, the second or the I'm third. Very hungover. <laughs> you would be the fourth. Um, um. Any, any ideas? Would that be... I could be wrong here. But is that... Are we talking... Is that a nobly hop? Would that... Uh, that wouldn't be like Sauvignon, would it? Or, or is it Simcoe? It is East Kent Goldings. Ah. <laughs> Something, you know. I mean, have you ever brewed with it? Very little. Very, I'm not surprised. Very, I, I was very thinking about giving you this one. I, I, like, let's just see how you do with that one. I was thinking about giving you that. That's Citra. Yeah, yeah, nailed it. Well done. <laughs> okay, straight in. I mean, we literally... I know. <laughs> I, I mean, That's I know every brewery at the moment is kind of like using up the world's sort of reserves yeah. of, of, of it's kind of why I didn't give you because we were just talking yeah, about course. it yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It's, almost, it's almost like you know just looking at two sides of a Brexit situation yeah. really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair do you want good beer or bad beer <laughs> we <laughs> actually did put East Kent Goldings in um, I did a, a pilot beer uh, over Christmas with um, we did a Christmas pudding um, we heavy oh, okay. and we took we put two Christmas puddings in the mash Oh wow! Um, and so we didn't want to hop too much, and we also had the Christmas fruit soaked in um, whis- um, French fortified wine, yeah, and some I think it was rum or whiskey. And to hop it, we used Kent Goldings. Oh wow! Uh, just because we didn't, you know. And so I, I have nothing wrong with Kent Goldings. <laughs> there is absolutely just... nothing wrong with it. No, no, no. And then and hopefully um, we've got a there's no Kent Goldings in it, but but we brought a cask with us today. Oh, okay. Um, just because basically we don't see enough of it. At festivals, yeah. doesn't have any kink. It's got citra in it, but, <laughs> but you know, but no good, good traditional hops. You know, good traditional well, see, beer. Like, like, like they've got their place. Like you know, they get bad mouth like that and Fuggles. They get bad mouth, but they have their place. It's just I wouldn't want a single malt, single hop with Fuggles. No. Yes, yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't yeah, know. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. Fugg- Fuggles is a sort of trigger word for me. I, I know <laughs> you don't like Fuggles. Like Golding's fine, but like. There's a few breweries that a few years ago just all decided they're going to make the best Fuggles beer they can. And they were all breweries I trust to the end of the earth. If they can't make a Fuggles beer I like, then it can't be done. It's not <laughs> and, and, and it can't be done, so far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I'm pleasure. sure we will catch up with you as, as, as the kind of evening I'm here all weekend. On. Exactly. <laughs> Try <Brilliant>. the meal. <laughs> thank you very much.
Okay, so here we are with our next interviewee. Uh, what's your name and where do you come from? Hey guys, uh, my name's Jordan. I'm from Umbard Brewery, based down in Sussex. Cool. Uh, you know, how long have you guys been open? Like, are you reasonably new? Have you been going quite a while? So it's been a really organic growth. So back in 2014, um, registered at the back of my house in Hove, <laughs> nice. a uh, the smallest or the the first nano brewery in Hove. Right. And literally uh, hand bottling cask from a hundred liter kit. Put a cask into uh, the Sussex um, Camera Festival. Uh, won the Bev Robbins Shield, which is a huge honour for anyone. Wow. Um, it was only Dark Star and Burning Sky on that yeah. shield, pretty much, uh, and us. Um, so at the time, I was a project manager in the water industry. Right. Earning some pretty good money. And then uh, spoke to my wife and said, look, <laughs> there's an opportunity here. Yeah. Um, should I quit earning good money and become a brewer? <laughs> um, and yeah, stupidly enough, done it. How does she uh, feel about that now? The same thing. <laughs> okay, what, you know, think more about what you would regret than not Absolutely. trying it. So um, yeah, and here we are. And, and things have grown so, so much. Yeah. So um, even we had Umbard registered whilst I was uh, working my way up to a head brewer for another brewery in Sussex and carried on evenings and weekends as this creative kitchen pushing as many ingredients, flavor into beer yeah. and learning craft. And um, yeah, it carried on going. And now we're brewing up in East Grinstead, which is a brewery that started from a, a brew school is now a contract brewery. And although we brew unbarred there, we also, uh, or I do consulting for other breweries. So um, yeah, a lot of very hands-on brewer owned brewery. Yeah. And we're this year looking for our own premises. Love wow, it. that's awesome! So, like, obviously, like, you got into it from a home brewing, home side of brewing, like, absolutely. Yeah, like, absolutely. like, how long were you home brewing before you decided to make that jump up? So, yeah, it was a funny one because we, we were living in a flat and we wanted to save some money to buy this house, right? And I said, well, a really good idea if we get a homebrew kit and then yeah. I save money on all the beer I'm buying. <laughs> Uh, the most expensive way to save money, yeah. in my experience, is to homebrew. Yeah, oh, because yeah. you're always trying to buy the next best gadget that will do something you're struggling with. Yeah, and, or, <laughs> or you go, ah, I can just do it with one more fermentation fridge in my house. Yes. Or, like, yeah, like, Finding uh, something to convert into something else. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, you uh, hear a theory about hop steeps at certain temperatures. Yep. Oh, well, I can't chill this down enough, so I need this massive chiller. And then I need to change the whole rig. And it's just ongoing that, that you know, trying to make that per perfect beer. And what I started on at the time was, was West Coast. That was my dream to nail the perfect West Coast. And what was inspiring to me back then was probably people like Colonel and then Brew by Numbers came in yes. afterwards and just doing classic hop forward easy to drink crisp and fresh beers yeah. and that's that's where my passion started but it's a great baseline right it's a great thing to be go like let's get that absolutely right because yes like certainly with the current sort of zeitgeist like if you can't if, if you can't do that well like it's not time to move on into the weird stuff right and you're never going to learn if, if you don't nail something or if you don't make big mistakes yeah. and learn from them absolutely you know next time tweak push some of your IBUs to further the end of the boil you know maybe put more in the dry hop less in the boil unless you're not tweaking it each time you can't quite taste the difference and I know it's very exciting to go well I want to do a, a triple culture with passion fruit and peaches and I want to you know but to get better at all those different 
really nail down one style or one beer you've created from scratch yeah. and just keep tweaking it every time and do it 10 or 20 times until you're like, I know what I'm doing now. It's the joy of the home brew rather than the big brew. Is like you can fail faster. Yes. Like, just get it wrong. <laughs> it's just too it expensive on our scale now. It's one of the things I, um, yeah, I really try to push with my home brewing is um, that certain things like lagers um, or really simple recipes they're really hard to get right yes. because like, if you just bang hops in yep. you can hide mistakes yes. very easily Absolutely. you just bang grain in hide a mistake yep. whereas if you're doing a single malt single hop or if you're doing a lager or something like that yep. you can't hide no. Like if you've got a fault in your brewing process, your ability to brew, yeah. it becomes very evident very quickly when you've got nowhere to hide. And that's where we evolved the smash is yeah. we did a single hop, single fruit series. Okay. So one fruit paired with one hop. Uh, we did a citra and passion fruit, uh, a zacca and pineapple, and uh, Simcoe and grapefruit. Oh, wow. And it was a lot of homebrewers getting in touch and going oh we've done the single yeah. the single hop but uh, this is amazing and love really showcasing these things and uh, my opinion citra and passion fruit was the best combination really? out of all of them by far they, they absolutely hum together but yeah, if, if, if you want to really showcase something, simple it, make yes, it simple oh, as possible. It, it is the way to do and it. And let the flaws come through to really learn what's That's going on. That's how you learn. I mean, especially for me, that is how I learned. It was yeah. just through homebrewing and going, well, that didn't work. Let's try again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because <laughs> that's where you go. That that guy shouldn't be on his own. He's not the one. Yeah. He's not, <laughs> that's he's, he's got his je ne sais quoi, but he shouldn't be on his own. He's, yeah. he, he needs some, some buddies with him. Yeah. Whereas some things just shine on their own. Like some things like have that full uh, spectrum. The complexity, them, as yeah. As long as you find the right place in the process and the right quantities to make it shine. Yeah. That's it. Uh, so what have you brought along for us to try? So I've brought you our Mango Parallel. Okay. Um, it's something that on commercial scale, constantly, constantly trying to master to this concept that's in my head uh, of making a mango juice drink. And I'm, I'm really happy with where we are with it. Um, I like the fact you've called it an MPA. <laughs> yes. Like, like, just uh, like little things like that always amuse me. So like um, when we do uh, the full episodes, like we always look at breweries, like branding and stuff like that, because that is such a big part of kind of how you sell your business. Like if you're getting your branding wrong, mm. that's it. Like yeah. whereas like you know, good, clean, crisp. It. It is good branding. It tells right. you exactly what it is and what you're getting. And it's fun to look at. Yeah, thank you. Up. And I think that's important. And even I, as a brewer, I still buy with my eyes. It will catch my attention. And yeah. I will want to read the size of that can or bottle. Yeah, um, And it brings in... Even from the texture of our cans, we've got a slight texture to theirs. Quality is high as we can get it all the way through. And yeah. that's really important. And it really it's shows the whole well. package. It's interesting because it's got that sort of quite toasty malt through it, which yep. like most most certainly like tropical fruit oriented beers I've had really don't. It's 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 they're normally just very fruit forward and 
Yeah, like, so... I mean, I guess as we sort of were saying, like, you, you can cover stuff and it doesn't feel like you're trying to cover anything. No, you there's... just made a mango beer. But you've made a really good point there. Um, a lot of people try and just throw mango into a, literally a pale ale and a yeah. base base malt or throw any hop. As long as it's a clean base, you can throw any hop, hop or malt. Um, personally, to get this colour um, and to give a slight interest to that malt base... Uh, put a bit of cara red a really small amount of cara red but now it actually looks like mango juice yes. yeah, it's, it, 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 it's got a sort of like deep orange sort of yes. colour you're looking for which yeah. immediately tells the sensors to look for that and you do yeah. like, you know like we don't as much as I dislike it when we, like if people come into the pub and you know they go oh no I don't want that cloudy stuff it's like no drink with your drink with your taste buds not with your eyes yeah. your eyes do tell you a lot and if you Indeed. see something like that and you go right okay brilliant let's taste it and you're like oh mango and you're looking at it, it looks like mango this is yeah. brilliant yeah, it yeah, evokes yeah, yeah. it before you even get it to the mouth it's just like there it is yeah does it explode in pub cellars because a lot of mango no. beers exploding I know <laughs> I know and <laughs> Um, I had a, another brewery come over telling me about their exploding cans. Um, as far as we're aware, we've had no exploding cans, but we do a force ferment on every single beer. So okay. we um, incubate the can. Yeah. Uh, well, before we do that, the force ferment is like you got to sit next to it, it's just as a stir plate here. Yes. Um, we use an Erlanger flask at 30 degrees put more yeast than we would in the can so we right. know that it's going to eat every single residual sugar and then we see what the final gravity is oh wow so before we're even canning it we've got an idea of where it's going to finish if it says in fe you got two three more points to go let's give it a little bit more time before we bring that crash yes. on uh, and then when it's in the actual can we then stick it 30 degrees for a couple of days yeah that speeds up the process by weeks I bet. and then we can taste and look at it and see where it's going to go. That's, so, a, that, that's so impressive. Far. I've never heard of that method really being used before. Yeah. I don't know if it's just maybe breweries don't talk about that end of things too much. You know, they, like they want to talk about the the brewing process, but they don't tend to talk about the sort of like post packaging, like what they do at that point. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's it's a strange one because it's kind of the thing that no, like people don't ever really want to hear about but like it's really important yeah of course it's it is like well I know you're home brewers and I know you want to know every single detail inside out and that's like I, I'm like I just want to know every fine detail yeah. so yeah and, and oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's those little things that help you change um, like your home brewing so you know mm. like the the years I've been home brewing the, the little changes that have come in are just things I've kind of picked up but the big changes are when I've read something I've went yep that is, and it isn't really the sort of thing that people think makes that much of a difference like when you first start home brewing you don't think temperature control for yeast is important for yeah. fermentation yeah whereas that was the thing that changed my beer from tasting like homebrew yeah to tasting like commercial beer was actually just controlling the fermentation and every little thing i've done with brewing nothing's changed as much as that yeah nothing at all has changed really as much as being would you really say that's precious. the number one in summer control? I, 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 for, a, for a home brewer, I would say that that is probably the biggest difference you can make to How your about brewery. You? Well, I've known brewers who have like gone into like to, to work at like pretty big breweries, yeah, and found that until that point, like even even at these the larger plants, like everyone's 
everyone's just like, no, we just always brew at this. It's like, why? You can't mm. just always do that. <laughs> Every beer needs like, the merit. And they're stunned. And yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like, and these companies have gone on for a while and just done this the same way as they always have. It's like, but that's a that's such a big part of the recipe. Yeah. It's like every. But that's know, what we every do. Every time you write it down, <laughs> like if that never changes, it wouldn't be on the, the little thing where you write your recipe down, would it? It's, it's, yeah, change the, change the temperature. Think about it. Like yeah. every stage is part of a chemical reaction. Everything matters. It's it's. Well, I think that's obviously really lever. really important of controlling your yeast and your ester profiles yeah. and, and and cooling your beer, but. Um, the bit for me that really turned around I think I did temperature control quite early um, and the big jump from that on home brewing um, water treatment yeah that for me changed that homebrew twang that you never knew quite what it was but it was always that homebrew twang yeah, yeah, and yeah. when I really focused on the water treatment then I was like okay I'm happy to take it to some of the bigger boys and say what do you think of this bottle yeah, well that's the thing. Uh, like, a lot of people that don't want to like especially for home brewers it's like do you want to have the added expense of getting your water tested you know like, 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 like do you send it to I sent my uh, Murphy and Sons which yeah, I imagine it. pretty much everybody does because yeah. that's who does it yeah even we do yeah yeah like Send it off to them, and they and they send you your water profiles back, and they tell you exactly what you need to do. But it's that like, do I want to spend twenty quid on that? Yeah. And a lot of people go, now nah, just buy it's some hops important. instead. But it's twenty quid one time. I know. One time it's for like, how many brews? Yeah. Like, and that's it. Like, like, because I I did temperature control probably after my sixth or seventh brew. Okay. I built myself a fermentation fridge. I just Amazing. got something off gum, gum tree. Amazing. Basically, all of my homebrew equipment is homemade. The stir plate. Well, that's homemade. Well done. Like, I was just like, that's how I'm doing it. And Brilliant. Yeah, like, but water treatment came a little bit afterwards because I was like, right, now I've got the sort of flavour I'm looking for, for. I need to decide how does that change? Like, you know, I know our water chemistry makes a big difference. And I yeah. recently did um, a margarita goes beer wow. for the podcast. And I ended up having to back sour that because our water is so alkali that the acidulated malt I used just neutralized the water. Oh, really? That's it's all it did. Good, it's yeah, got yeah. all good minerals in it here, yeah. cow, like mam used to drink. <laughs> yeah. It's not like my mam used to drink. Nonsense. But yeah, like, I, I ended up having to back sour it with lactic acid to get it to that point. And wow. it's like, okay, well, you know, I need to change my water treatment for the next time I do it and I mean even though I back soured it it ended up tasting exactly what I wanted it to but if the water had just been neutral I wouldn't have had to do that because yeah. the acidulated malt would have done the job I bought the acidulated Tried malt to, to do, do. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah like, it, is, it is interesting that you say that water treatment was a, was a big thing but yeah yeah it's been massive and even though you get that Murphy's report there are suggestions of what they had with AMS yes. and strip it down focus on exactly how much gypsum calcium chloride and your mash ph yeah is really important but Having also pH simply strips to test try and get a ph meter like yeah. st ph strips are great but there's a blurred line with looking at that color chart i know uh, what i'm could spending be quite my money on next out. it's gonna be a ph meter <laughs> ph meter like, started this with just like it's always getting the next thing and then <laughs> it's just like by the way i suggest this next thing so a, a key tip that I found and on commercial scale I found is getting your work down so if you know you're going to be heavily heavily dry hopping yeah 
get your wort in the kettle down that little bit more to compensate for what's going to happen with the dry hop and that hop bite you can get. Yes. So yeah. again, that's water treatment. That's that yeah. makes a really big difference. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, that's been like very informative. Like you know, we, we've gone really in depth into a lot of things, and you know, the beer's really good. I'm uh, glad you enjoy it, guys. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. I'm sure we'll be catching up with you off mic. Uh, yeah, yeah, for, yeah. You know, we'll catch up for a drink at some Please point. Please do. Um, yeah, thanks, thanks again. Thanks, thanks Aaron's guys. So here we are with our, another interviewee. Would you like to uh, introduce yourself? Yeah, hi. Uh, my name's Matt. Um, I kind of work out and help with the Grumpy Goat occasionally, and I helped arrange several of the breweries to come to this year's Craft Theory 2019. Cool. Uh, we're chatting to you because we've been told that you are an expert in wild fermentation. <laughs> so um, here we I, are. I, uh, I will add that Anne-Marie had that look in her eye where she felt like she was dropping someone in it yeah, as yeah. well as picking them up. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, um, I would say I'm an expert. I like it. I know a little bit about it. It's definitely something that I think is growing and is important in the in the craft beer world. So, yeah. Well, I for one know sweet Fanny Adams about it. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, wild fermentation, um, just try and give us a brief rundown as, as concise as you can about what it actually is. Um, so, wild fermentation is, it usually falls under more like what they call spontaneous fermentation. So, with that, it's wild yeasts being allowed to cultivate and just create whatever you want with the beer itself. So, it's just down to you almost letting the alchemy do its own thing inside the either the, the barrel or wherever you want to age it and, and create the process. So it's, it's an unpredictable beer process, really. That's kind of the easiest way to look at it. It's, it's an unpredictable style. So is there a level of, like, on one level you've selected your yeast and you're making a beer in the way you, like, planned out? but you're just allowing these things yeah, to also you, interfere. Yeah, you can literally use the same setup on 20 different beers you wanted. It's just down to what you want to add to it, and you just let it go. And it's, it's a question of it either will turn into what you think it will, or it won't. And that's the great thing about it. That's what makes it, I guess, spontaneous in the sense that you don't know how it's going to react inside the bottle or in the barrel or however you're doing it. So am I right in saying that to an extent it's what a lot of breweries would consider an infection? Mm -hmm. Yes. But uh, yeah. if you just go, we're going to go in and see what happens, yeah. suddenly you just go... Most people who, who do it, an easy example would be making like a Saison. Yeah. You, you create your basic Saison. Now, if you use Brett, uh, Brett and Amices in there... Yeah. Yeah. And then you decide to go, I don't know, I want to use the same setup as I do my Saison, but I want to I want to add this herb to it, or I want to add these berries to it, or something like that. You just allow that to that culture to grow and it will just transform that beer in a whole new way. And it's obviously Lombic is a prime example. Yes, so yeah. obviously the Lombic breweries in Belgium they rely on spontaneity of the spores in the atmosphere to infect the, um, the wart, yes. and that's what creates Lombic beer. We obviously are trying to replicate it in the UK. There are breweries such as Burning Sky and Mills Brewing who have cool ships, as we translate to call it, yeah. and are trying to recreate that process. There are some breweries in America who do it, like Alagash, and it's... It's how can we, can, is it just unique to where they are with the flora and fauna or can we do it over here? 
and that's kind of where breweries like Little Earth Project who are here today use that idea of the spontaneity of wild fermentation and just going this is the same saison we've done but we're just going to add this and this and this and this and see what it does and then yeah. we'll do the same again and it's just letting it grow and, and, and see where it goes and you end up with very interesting beers out of it absolutely yeah uh, I mean, I imagine some of the uh, all the breweries that have been doing it for, you know, the breweries have been around for hundreds of years. Yeah. Chances are they, because they're doing it in the same sheds, it's actually much more controlled mm. because well, I guess they it's know so- what yeast is floating <laughs> about. Well, I guess it's sort of compounded sort of over time, right? Yeah. It's just like, well, most of the time we get a lot of and it just really like we get a lot it's it's very it's a it's a bretty shed yeah it's a yeah. reet bretty shed yeah, yeah. well uh, yeah i mean i mean prime example is obviously like someone like cantillon in belgium yeah. they are so superstitious on their brewery that they won't actually fix or change the building right so because it's technically cast as the goes um it's the goes museum of brussels right so the donations to that just help maintain it but okay. they're so superstitious that if they were to change the roof or do anything they think that will taint the beer so even though it's a centuries old building they won't change the method because they are paranoid that it will completely ruin the beer the itself it very well might do because i like you know when before people knew what yeast was mm. you just had a stick that you stirred your beer with they exactly. didn't realise the stick was actually infected yeah. and you know that was a superstition yeah. if you change the stick maybe your beer will be different so if they change uh, yeah. their rafters maybe that's where the yeast lives maybe exactly. all the yeast fairies are up there just living. I do yeah, love I that <laughs> don't touch my filthy beer stick that's my filthy beer stick <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. what it does <laughs> but I think this is it it's like we're, we're used to a brewery setup where it's quite clinical where we see it as being metal, you know, metal sort of kettles. Everyone's wearing white overalls, yeah. and, and it's uh, a, that's the way we look at it. But when it comes to using wild culture, you can you can leave the doors open and let the atmosphere infect yeah, it, and change it. You don't have to cover it, it up. You know, you're probably not as because especially with home brewing, like yeah. the big part of home brewing yeah. is being clean. Yeah. Everything has to like once it's boiled. Anything that touches it must yep. be sterile. <laughs> exactly. Right? And it's just like, well, that's... That, uh, it depends what you're doing. Yeah. But, that, that, but that's, the, that's the biggest difference between someone's, like, just someone who's just started out homebrew mm. and someone who's been doing it for yeah. a while is that, like... Yeah. No, they just clean their stuff properly. No, exactly. So they know what went in. You have no idea what went in. <laughs> it's, it's knowing, because I think a lot of, like, early uh, people, when they first start homebrewing, they probably end up with a lot of wild yeast beers and a lot yeah. of spontaneously fermented beers exactly without I mean you know it's not what they were planning but it's just through you know not quite knowing what procedures need to happen when and ha- when to be clean and when exactly. not to be so you end up with a beer that you know probably if you intended it to taste that way you'd be really happy with mm. but you might not have intended it to taste that way and it's like eh. no exactly I and wonder I, now and that's it I think it's, it's, it is tried and tested to get the right way you want it yeah and yeah as you say it's like once you've got it nailed down you can keep that process going and going again once you know what you've done you can then experiment and you know if you experiment it's going to work every time yeah so it is as you say it's a tried and tested procedure and it is just a sometimes pot luck really on how it works i wonder now if i tried some of the homebrew that i tried when like just friends of mine were first dallying in there. Yeah. Like if I would now go, oh, that's sweet, nice. Yeah, it's like, oh, you've got a real nice wild fermentation going. It's like by accident. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and it probably is a lot of the time. Because yeah. mo- most, most of that, like mo- in, in that time for me, 
Like that was just that was bad. That was bad homebrew. Whereas now, I really like your sort of sour styles and yeah. your farmhouse and your saison exactly. and your whatever. Like and it's like I wonder now if I tried those same beers. Yeah. If I just went, oh, you got something there. Culture that. Exactly. <laughs> Keep staring with that dang stick. <laughs> It's true, though. I mean, when you look at the origins of, like, the Saison, it was just literally seasonal produce being chucked in yeah. to a barrel, squashed down and left for, a, for the winter, and then it was ready for the next summer. I mean, summer. the name's the clue. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that was it. But, but now you can work with it and try new processes, and that's where the likes of using Bretonomyces yeah. has helped transform the humble seasonal light golden beer to drink in the in the fields while yeah. you're doing your crops and stuff as a quench firster now it's something that you can it could be funky it could be tart it could be sweet it could be bready you could do whatever you want with it yeah. i think that's what makes it unique well i love the confidence with which people now say it like we've made this brett beer yeah and it's like that was a happy accident before Absolutely. and now you go no we'll just package that <laughs> totally. that'll be fine <laughs> so do you do you brew at home no i don't so where did you gain all this information or is it literally um, just through a love for yeah. this type of beer yeah I, I think I'm friends with a lot of brewers um, I do a lot of online I sort of write do a lot of online reviews I'm yeah. in a lot of like closed chat groups and stuff like that so I mean my, my Instagram page is littered with beer because yeah. that's what I like doing and yeah it's just through the love of it and the passion of I guess experimenting on your palate to finding what you like and for me I have found the beer style that probably wins me over more than any other yeah. and and I guess yeah it's just a love for it and that's really where I am at it's not I, I also I, like that for 15 years you could have had what most people consider a terrible taste for beer yeah. and then suddenly it's just like yeah. he knows his shit it's like <laughs> yes I do no totally <laughs> so yeah it's I mean I don't know have you guys tried any of the, like, the, the wild sour beers they've got here uh, um, so they're, they're working through them yeah so, yeah. so we had the Little Earth Project over yeah. like right at the start of the day and you know like they brought some of their beers over yeah it's, just, it's outstanding I love that style and I would like to I'd like to brew it that sort of style more mm. um, I'm obviously I'm limited on space as most of course are, and bringing in wild yeasts into such a small area where mm. I'm like I don't want that around for everything. No. It's quite difficult. You know? gotcha. So we would like uh, to kind of start branching into that, but it's trying to do it in a, a controlled way where yeah. we're not going to then just bring an infection into everything else. No, I yeah, know I you mean. mean. There's, a, there's a reason the mid-sized breweries basically keep that kit separate. Of course. And they just go, there's the one that we just, that, that's infected, and we just yeah. accept that that's yeah. the case. That's it, I'd have to go, that's my wild beer fermenter, yeah. and it doesn't go near anything else <laughs> ever, and then I've got everything else. No, definitely. Well, we, we felt awful at the pub when we've had to tell like smaller breweries that it's like, I'm sorry, but your kit is infected, right. and you need to sort it out. Wow. Right? And it's just like, it's tiny things, and it's like, but like, for someone who's not trying to make that wild style of beer, yeah. it's just like, you want to sort this now because it's not going to get better. It's not going to fix itself. No. Like, you need to find what's what's yeah. wrong and get rid yeah, of it. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. And it's not that that's necessarily a problem in an individual beer, mm. but if that's your whole system and you want to make a widespread of different types of beer, yeah. Yeah. suddenly it's a problem. And so, sure. like, yeah, you keep those things separate. You go, this is this is where I make my dank, mm. my dank farmhousey stuff. <laughs> No, definitely. You're this is my good clean steel to like hire a really dank farmhouse to do that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, do you, do you have a, just a lowly shed? 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah probably, yeah. Some sort of barn conversion. <laughs> yeah, a shed or a garage, you know, yeah. something out <laughs> yeah. of the way, secluded. Uh, well, thank you very much no, for, uh, you know, kind of talking us through some of that stuff. Like, you know, I'm sure we will talk off mic much more in depth yeah. um, eventually. No, but no yeah. Thank you very All right, much. No, that's great. Thanks, thanks, thanks for having me. Cheers, guys. So thank you very much, Chris and Cal, for that first part of the Craft Theory five-minute rapid-fire interview. It sounded, by like, it sounded like an awesome day. Yeah, it sounded uh, like really good fun. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame we were stuck up here in the studio, Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, do, all doing all the busy work, all of that sort of stuff. Um, but, you know... A lot of paperwork. There's so much paperwork. It's surprising yeah. how much paperwork there is. Um, yeah, so if you want to hear uh, more from... Cal, obviously just stay tuned to buy the mash done because yep. he's on there all the time uh, and if you want to hear more from uh, Chris and also Cal together, you can also listen to the Space Jam Continuum, which is a podcast where they try to create a single cohesive cinematic universe out of all of the Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies back catalogue all the way up to Space Jam Yeah, It's a lot of fun Yes, go, I really, I really enjoy doing it slash listening to it There'll be a link in the show notes they will uh, be. Yes, click, go and see or listen. So, yeah, hopefully uh, you guys enjoyed this. Uh, stay tuned for the second part, which should be coming, you know, very soon, uh, where we will get Craft Theory Day 2. Yeah. Um, I, think that's, I think that's all from us, isn't it? Yeah, that's all good. Okay. Bye. Bye.